A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with us today. Welcome to December as well. Uh, one of my busiest times of year as a uh, Santa in training. You know, ho, ho, ho. It's, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to do. Uh, putting on the calories, you know, hoisting toy bags over the back. Just get ready. Because one day, man, I'm going to get my shot. Uh, coming up on the uh, program today, we're going to be talking about lawmakers in Illinois taking a shot at your right to keep and bear arms. Before we get to that, however, this episode brought to you by Direct Bullion USA, the new gold standard of gold and silver dealers. You wouldn't let the swamp of Washington, D.C. take your guns, so why would you let them take your retirement? Visit directbullionusa.com today and start learning how to protect uh, how to protect your financial freedom by requesting a free investment guide. Secure, protect, and diversify. Get started now at directbullionusa.com. So as I mentioned, um, yeah, Illinois. Illinois, one of these states already had a, a democratic stranglehold on state government, right? You already had a democratic majority in the state house, the state senate. You had a democratic governor. But Democrats padded their numbers in the state legislature on election day. They added about a half dozen seats in the state house. And that has given uh, Democrats reason to believe that they can pass, at least, and enact a sweeping gun ban, as well as other restrictions on the right to keep and bear arms that fly in the face of what the Supreme Court has had to say about our Second Amendment rights, most recently in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. So what's going on here? Well, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, Uh, Illinois House Democrats plan to introduce a massive gun control bill that would outlaw the sale of so-called assault weapons, as well as prevent most residents under the age of 21 from legally buying a gun. State Representative Bob Morgan, who was at the Highland Park Fourth of July parade, where a uh, twisted coward opened fire, killing seven, wounded more than uh, 48 people, says that uh, Democrats hope to pass this bill in the lame duck session in early January. Public hearings, though, will start this month. And as the Sun-Times notes, the voting threshold for a bill to become effective immediately drops to 60 votes come January the 1st. Democrats right now have 73 members. So more than a dozen downstate rural Democrats or others with what the Sun-Times calls Second Amendment concerns could vote no against this bill And it would still immediately take effect in early January. So this is coming. This isn't, you know, something that might get done a few months from now. And we'll talk about it again in the new year. No, no, no. Democrats are rushing to get this bill in place. And if it is signed into law, it would then immediately end the sale of so-called assault weapons while requiring existing gun owners to register their currently held modern sporting rifles with the state of Illinois. It would also prevent future sales of ammunition magazines holding more than 10 rounds and, quote, tighten regulations to prohibit rapid-fire devices that turn firearms that fire one shot per trigger pull into fully automatic weapons. Basically, talking about auto-sears, which are already illegal, 
under federal law, already illegal under state law, but this would make him even more illegal, so to speak. That's probably the least worrisome portion of the gun control bill, by the way, the, the, the portion dealing with uh, auto sears. Almost every other aspect of this legislation is, I think, flagrantly unconstitutional. Although in a couple cases, maybe there's a tiny bit of wiggle room, but not a whole lot here. Because this is what we're talking about. Again, banning the most commonly sold rifle in America today. No more could you buy it, right? And uh, only those who are willing to tell the state that, yes, I possess this modern battlefield weapon of war that you say need to be taken off the streets. Yes, I own one or two or three. And here's what they are. Here's their serial number. Here's where I live. Only those folks are going to be permitted to keep a hold of their legally purchased firearms with the empty promise that they'll be able to own them forevermore, right? Even though, again, these are battlefield weapons of war that nobody needs to own and have to be taken on the street. But you just tell you just tell us that you own it and you're fine. You buy that? I don't buy that. We've seen that same argument, by the way, used with uh, magazines, actually, in states like California and New Jersey, right? Uh, going forward, you can't buy these magazines, but uh, you're fine if you had them in the past. Uh, actually, never mind. No, we changed our mind. Now you got to get rid of them. Now you got to permanently modify them. Now you got to hand them over to police, remove them out of the state. Uh, but if you just maintain possession of the magazines that you've been possessing for years and years, well, now you're a criminal. That's how gun control works, right? One bite at a time, they just take a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more of your right to keep and bear arms. So the whole idea that, um, well, we're going to ban the sale of uh, so-called assault weapons going forward, but to, oh, yeah, yeah, existing owners, you get to keep them, no problem. I don't believe it. And I think compliance, by the way, uh, would be few and far between with that uh, registration. In addition to the uh, ban on so-called assault weapons, which, uh, again, I think is going to be constitutionally uh, challenged, we already have uh, a so-called assault weapons ban case that the Supreme Court has granted cert to. It then vacated or uh, yeah, vacated the original uh, lower court decision, remanded that case back to the Fourth Circuit. Um I think we might have talked about it on the program this week because we've got oral arguments coming up in that case in the Fourth Circuit this month. So it is likely that next year, at some point, the Supreme Court is going to get a quote-unquote assaultman's ban case and will, I believe, uh, decide uh, and issue the, uh, the, the opinion that says, no, you can't ban the most commonly sold firearm in the country. They, these are clearly protected uh, by the Second Amendment. But it's not going to stop. I mean, the pending court cases are not going to stop Democrats in Illinois from putting their own unconstitutional laws on the books. It doesn't matter if it's a waste of time or money or, f- frankly, lives. Because lives will be wasted. There will be a human cost to Illinois Democrats focusing on the gun rather than the individual Pulling the trigger. Um, although I guess you could say they are trying to focus on uh, one group of Illinois residents who might uh, pull a trigger or might simply be a peaceable gun owner. Because in addition to the ban on so-called assault weapons, uh, this proposal would also 
deprive most adults under the age of 21 from accessing their right to keep and bear arms. It would, uh, quote, raise the eligibility for a state firearm owner identification card to 21 for most state residents, as well as uh, extending the duration of a firearms restraining order, red flag law, from six months to one year, including renewed restraining orders. And uh, Representative Morgan says a separate bill expected to be filed that would create a new civil liability cause of action against manufacturers or retailers who market firearm products through, quote, deceptive practices. This we have seen in other states as well. States like New York and New Jersey, California have all passed laws that are designed to do an end run around the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, which prohibits lawsuits against gun makers and gun sellers trying to hold them responsible for the actions of criminals. Uh, you can sue a gun maker for you know, product liability or something like that, but you can't sue a gun maker saying that, uh, you know what, it's your fault that this guy went out and robbed a store. But that's exactly what the bill proposed in Illinois would do uh, by claiming that it was the marketing practices. Even if a, uh, let, 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 let's, let's say uh, Bob uh, goes and robs a liquor store. Um, under the bill proposed in Illinois, uh, the liquor store owner could sue the maker of whatever firearm Bob used in that robbery and allege that the marketing practices associated with that gun company uh, caused Rob or Bob to, uh, to, to pick up a gun and commit a crime. Even if Bob never saw an ad from that gun company. Or let's say, God forbid, somebody uses a firearm to commit an active shooting. Then again, uh, the victims, their family members, maybe the state of Illinois itself, depending on how this uh, proposed law is written, could sue that gun maker and say it was your fault this happened because of your advertising, because of your marketing, because of your social media posts. You encouraged this. You enabled this. It's a bizarre legal theory, uh, but unfortunately, one that the courts have not yet disallowed. Um, I would expect that if this bill does become a truly bad law, we will see uh, litigation filed against this as well. We already have seen the National Shooting Sports Foundation uh, file uh, a law against uh, New York, similar law. Uh, and uh, I, I got to go back and take it. It's so hard to keep track of all the lawsuits, but I think they might have just filed a second uh, complaint against New Jersey. Well, like I said, I got to go back and check on that. But this issue is already being litigated. Again, the fact that this is already in the courts, not stopping anti-gun Democrats, the more the merrier, right? The more states that can pass these gun control laws, uh, then the more we have to uh, spend uh, out of our limited resources uh, trying to overturn them. Uh, and that, I think, is by design. The gun control lobby is very well funded in terms of uh, the litigation strategies. I mean, you've, you know, look, every town, Giffords, both have their own in-house law firms attached, for goodness sake. So uh, they don't mind. And they're more than happy, by the way, to offer help free of charge to states and localities in defending their gun control legislation. So, you know, they're not waiting for the courts to step in and say, yeah, this is allowed. Now nah, this isn't. This is uh, for the gun control lobby. This is throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Um, all right. So, uh, right now in Illinois, in order for you to get a firearm owner identification card, which I believe in itself is unconstitutional. In fact, we've actually had a state judge. We've had two separate state judges in Illinois 
decide that the Foyd card is unconstitutional, at least as it applies to possessing a farm in the home. But the Illinois State Supreme Court has overturned those decisions on technical grounds and refuses to take up the issue of the constitutionality of the Foyd card itself. So as things stand in Illinois right now, in order to get that Foyd card, which you need to have a gun in your home, you must be 21 or older, but someone under the age of 21 can still get a card with the written consent of his or her parent or legal guardian. Under the new law, that adult permission provision will be taken away. Instead, there'd be an exception for anybody under the age of 21 who serves in the U.S. military or the Illinois National Guard. And uh, anybody 18, 19, or 20-year-old who would like, you know, to possess a firearm would only be able to go hunting or sport shooting and only under adult supervision of a parent or a guardian who possesses a valid FOID card. This, I got to tell you, this is just as squarely unconstitutional as the ban on so-called assault weapons. And we have already seen federal courts take a look at this issue, even before the Bruin decision was handed down by the Supreme Court. Uh, In California, a three-judge panel on the Ninth Circuit ruled that California's ban on the sale of so-called assault weapons to 18, 19, 20-year-olds was unconstitutional. That uh, opinion, by the way, was stayed by uh, an en banc panel of the Ninth Circuit. In the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, there is a challenge to Florida's gun ban on under-21s. At the trial court level, the uh, U.S. District Judge uh, overseeing that case indicated that he was very sympathetic, actually, to the idea that 18, 19, 20-year-olds possess Second Amendment rights, uh, but he was bound by 11th Circuit precedent to rule in favor of the state of Florida. That, too, was a decision that came down before the Bruin decision. And so the 11th Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, which is where the case is now, will be the first court uh, first court to actually consider Florida's age-based gun ban uh, in light of the Bruin opinion. But we've also now seen a federal judge in Texas issue a uh, ruling that uh, the state's ban on concealed carry for under-21s is unconstitutional. So I got to say, I just don't see much evidence that the state of Illinois is going to uh, be able to ban the right to keep and bear arms for adults under the age of 21. Remember, under the Bruin test, they have to be able to point to longstanding laws that were in place around the time of the ratification of the Second Amendment or the ratification of the 14th Amendment. So 1790s. Uh, 1860s, you know, maybe you can go a couple of decades in either direction, but but once you get further away from, you know, 1791 and 1866, those laws are less applicable and less meaningful. And I just don't think you're going to find a uh, any law out there, be it, be it a local or state or federal provision um, from either of those time periods that Again, we're we're not outliers, not some you know local municipality that had a law in the books for a couple of years, but again, a tradition of the right to keep and bear arms only kicking in when you turn twenty one. Quite the opposite, as a matter of fact. Uh, so I think that this provision, again, if it is uh, voted into law by Illinois Democrats, going to be immediately challenged, and again, I I, I think it's highly likely to fall 
Now, Richard Pearson, the head of the Illinois State Rifle Association, has uh, already indicated that, yeah, there will be a legal challenge to any gun ban that comes down uh, uh, the, uh, from the legislature. I suspect that that would hold true for virtually every one of these provisions. In fact, um, the FOID card uh, provisions that are proposed here would seemingly allow for a, a new legal challenge to the uh, constitutionality of the FOID card itself and one that uh, wouldn't necessarily have to be made in state court, but could be made in federal court. So uh, Democrats may may have the votes in the legislature, but I don't think that they have the a legal leg to stand on, quite frankly, when it comes to what they're trying to do. From a constitutional perspective, uh, they are infringing all over the rights of Illinois residents. From a practical perspective, what these laws would do, frankly, turn a number of peaceable gun owners into criminals overnight. Not violent criminals, mind you, just criminals on paper, right? Because they didn't register their so-called assault weapon. They still possess a 17-round magazine that came standard with the pistol that they bought 10 years ago. Meanwhile, those who are actually responsible for the violence in places like city of Chicago, Springfield, Cairo, even, you know, there's violence in small town Illinois too. But those folks aren't going to be touched by this gun control law. Again, it's already illegal in Illinois for you to possess a firearm without a FOID card. So they're, they're, that's already a criminal offense. Everything else is just gravy. But none of these measures increase the penalty for committed a violent crime. None of these measures target the overuse of plea bargains. None of these measures uh, roll back any of the reforms that are set to take effect in January in Illinois which will end bail for a number of violent offenses and make it far easier for those suspected of violent crimes to quickly return to the streets, even if they pose a threat to the community at large. That's, that's not what Illinois Democrats are interested in right now. They are very interested in your rights and you being able to exercise them. And more importantly, how to stop you from doing that. So if you are an Illinois gun owner, uh, my advice Join your state-level organizations. Join the ISRA. Get involved. Get active. Contact your lawmakers. Show up for the Illinois Gun Owner Lobby Day coming up uh, in a... Uh, I, I think it's in January. It might be in February, but uh, I'll have to look. But just go to the IR, uh, ISRA's website. You can find out. Again, there'll be thousands of gun owners in Illinois. But don't give up the fight. You are definitely facing an uphill battle in the legislature. Uh, but gun owners and Second Amendment supporters... You are on much firmer legal ground uh, if and when these measures end up in court. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We'll start there with the uh, case out of Florida, where a uh, man arrested on gun charges turns out is on probation for gun charges. Yeah, weird how that works, isn't it? Uh, what's actually really weird about this is that, to the best of my knowledge, this guy has yet to face the most serious gun charge that he could. Uh, Thomas, Thomas Edward Rias Dean, 25 years old, rested this week charged with possession of a stolen firearm 
displaying a firearm during a felony, carrying a concealed firearm without a permit, possession of marijuana with intent to sell, as well as resisting arrest without violence. He apparently was driving a car, pulled over for allegedly running a stop sign. Deputies said he uh, smelled marijuana, wanted to search the car. Uh, Dean was not uh, particularly cooperative. Eventually, uh, there was a search conducted, reportedly producing a stolen gun in a plain view on the driver's side floorboard, as well as uh, two baggies containing about 100 grams of marijuana, several hundred dollars worth of cash. That was enough to uh, take Dean into custody this time around. But as it turns out, Dean was arrested last May, May of 2021, after a shooting. Uh, originally charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, improperly exhibiting a fireman carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. But prosecutors only formally charged Dean with uh, carrying a concealed firearm without a permit. And he ended up pleading no contest in exchange for 18 months of probation. Um, one of the conditions of the probation was that he not possess any firearms. Because, as it turns out, Dean has a juvenile criminal history as well as three adult felony convictions. Yeah. So I'm wondering why it was that when Dean was arrested in May of last year, he was never charged with felon in possession of a firearm. And I'm wondering why when Dean was arrested this week, allegedly in possession of a stolen gun, among the litany of charges that he faces, is not felon in possession. If Dean has three adult felony convictions, why are prosecutors not using the most serious charge that they could levy against him? And instead, sounds like they're setting him up for another sweetheart plea deal with another slap on the wrist, maybe probation, maybe a little bit of time served, and that's it. And I, I truly don't get this because uh, if Mr. Dean is unable to lawfully possess a firearm under current state and federal law. I don't know why prosecutors would give him a pass on that. And I certainly don't know why prosecutors would be interested in going after legal gun owners when guys like Mr. Dean are catching so many lucky breaks. Today's uh, armed citizen story from Jackson, Tennessee. We don't have a, a whole lot of details here. This was actually uh, first reported last week, and it was, uh, it was originally described as a road rage incident. And I guess that that's how it started. But police in Jackson, Tennessee, say the more that they investigated, the more they realized that the shooting aspect of this was actually self-defense. Uh, basically, there was uh, some sort of, you know, back and forth driving down the road, which turned into a verbal altercation, which then turned into shots fired. Uh, but as authorities, again, examine what happened here, it looks like the individual who fired those shots was acting in fear of their life. Um, now, the police in Jackson, Tennessee, again, did not provide any specifics about the incident itself, uh, but they did say that the results of their investigation will be afforded to the local district attorney's office, but no criminal charges are pending at this time. So hopefully we'll get some more details about this, but uh, we'll keep our eyes on this story out of Jackson, Tennessee, and bring any updates as they become available. It's important to note that, you know, oftentimes, again, it might take two or three, four days for police to figure out whether or not something was uh, an act of aggression or an act of self-defense. And, you know, honestly, a lot of times the news media has already moved on. So we don't get those stories. So I, I, I want to give a special shout out to uh, WBBJ TV uh, in Jackson for actually doing 
a follow-up here and not just letting that continue to be reported as a road rage incident, uh, but as, in fact, a, a defensive gun use. Uh, finally, in the right place at the right time, wasn't able to do the right thing, a uh, off-duty firefighter who uh, works in White Plains, New York. He looks like he was uh, headed home over the weekend, about 3 o'clock in the morning, when he ran across an accident with flames coming out of a uh, vehicle. This was uh, Saturday about 3 o'clock in the morning. Firefighters from the Brookfield Volunteer Fire Company responded to a reported car fire. By the time they got there, though, they saw that there was a bystander who had already come to the aid of the woman trapped inside the vehicle after he was uh, witness to the accident while he was heading home. Uh, Nicholas Perry Jr. managed to get into the burning car without the help of gear, without any water being directed towards the flames, and was able to successfully remove the woman from behind the wheel just as the flames were trying to enter the passenger compartment. She was taken to a local hospital for uh, her injuries, but it looks like she's going to recover. Perry, meanwhile, suffered some minor injuries. His jacket was burned because of the uh, the flames, but uh, he's going to be okay as well. Brookfield Volunteer Fire Company saying in a uh, post on Facebook, if not for the courageous actions of Mr. Perry, the operator would have burned to death in her vehicle. His actions are a testament to him, the White Plains PD, or excuse me, the White Plains uh, FD, uh, and the fire service as a whole. So again, in the right place, at the right time, willing able to do the right thing to save everyone's life. Nicholas Perry Jr., we thank you for your very good deed. And I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I I love being able to connect with you uh, each and every day here. I hope you have a great weekend and a a good Friday. We'll be back with another Cam and Company coming up on Monday. But the news never sleeps. I try to get six hours a night, but the news never sleeps. And so we will be updating BarryAndArms.com every day between now and the next Cam and Company on Monday morning. I would encourage you to check out the website and uh, stay up to date on all of the news that you need to know about when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member. All you have to do, go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive news stories, content, analysis, opinion you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. All right. We'll be back on Monday, at least here. But we won't go anywhere on the website, so we'll see you there online. Have a great weekend. Till we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free.